Well, this month we have been learning a little bit about what does missions look like here in our own country and listening to some missionaries talk about that as well so that we understand, you know, how churches are planted and how we try to expand the gospel here in our own nation. There are two offerings that we are participating in right now to try to help with mission activity here in our area. Uh, he mentioned the Annie Armstrong mission, our Annie Armstrong Easter offering. We, d- we didn't do it at Easter time because things kind of get lost in all the activity at Easter. We're doing it now. And if you would like to participate in that offering, you can indicate so on your offering envelope, and that goes to help new churches and work take place here in our country. This week, we're also going to be, through the VBS week, uh, taking up an offering to help with our Buddhist uh, mission work that we're doing right here in our own community. And so uh, the boys and girls throughout the course of this week will be giving to that mission cause. If you have your Bible, open it up with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, we're in a series that we've been calling the Royals, where we are looking at the family into which the King of Kings was born. Now, it's been about two months since the hailstorm. And so I know many of us have been working on trying to get our roofs replaced and sometimes our cars repaired or even our cars replaced, windows that were broken out, fixed. And through all that, you've had to deal some with insurance companies, you've had to deal with those in the construction industry. And how many of you have noticed this? Not everybody always keeps their word. Has anybody noticed that? Has anybody ever had that kind of experience? I know it's crazy, isn't it? But sometimes people will tell you something and then they don't actually follow through with it. And how does it make you feel when someone tells you something but then doesn't follow through with it? How, how does that make you feel? It, it angers you. It upsets you. It, it does not set well with you. Well, last week we discovered that God speaks to us. And today we're going to look at how when God speaks to us, God keeps His Word. Now, there's a couple of things that I I just want to set down right up front about when God speaks. We need to understand that when God speaks to us, that that is different than your buddy speaking to you. Uh, God is God, and so He speaks with the authority of God. And a lot of times, people, whenever they got when they get caught up in uh, over-reasoning arguments or they get caught into atheism, one of the issues that they have is they try to humanize God and reduce Him to a point where He's nothing more than, his but, than our buddy. God fulfills His Word in His own time. Have you ever tried to hurry up God? It, it really does not work very well. And God also fulfills His Word in His own way. Have you ever tried to tell God what to do? That's not recommended either. But we have these scripts that we try to write for our lives, but God, in His own way, in His own time, fulfills His Word. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we have been meeting these two ladies that were part of Jesus' family, and each of these ladies heard the voice of God come to them through an angel. The first one was a lady by the name of Elizabeth. Elizabeth had longed for children for many years. And she had now reached a point where she was beyond childbearing years. And so that hope of having uh, her own child was beginning to fade and diminish. But then the angel Gabriel came to her and told her that she was going to become the mother 
of John the Baptist, who would ultimately be a great man and would herald the coming of the Messiah. And so God did a miracle within her. Now, the other lady that we met is a young woman. She was planning her wedding. She had never been intimate with a man, and then an angel appeared to her as well. And the angel told her that she was going to be the mother of the Son of God, that Jesus would be born to her. And so God, in her life, did a great miracle as well. Whenever we come to verse 39, we see these two women, Mary and Elizabeth, coming together for a meeting. So look with me at your Bibles to chapter 1 of Luke and verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, now the Bible teaches us that Mary and Elizabeth were relatives. A lot of people try to speculate as to exactly what was their relationship. What we know is that they were very close to each other, even though Elizabeth was quite a bit older than Mary. We don't know a, a lot about Mary's mom, if anything, really about Mary's mom, and so we don't know a lot about her childhood, but we can see that, that Elizabeth and Mary, they were very, very close to each other. I'm speculating a bit here, but it's conceivable that Zechariah and Elizabeth may have almost been like grandparents to Jesus whenever he was growing up. So Mary leaves Galilee, and she makes her way down to the hill country of Judah. In nine months' time, Mary would once again hurry to the hill country of Judah. On that day, she would give birth to Jesus in Bethlehem. But this time, whenever she's coming to Elizabeth's house, it's not to give birth. This time, she's got her sonogram pictures, and she's got a cake that's blue because she's ready to announce the fact that she's having this baby boy. Now, there's a problem in Mary's life. She needed a lot of support right now. She is pregnant with a child from God. Not many people are going to believe her. Not many people are going to be able to relate to her and understand her. But God was working it out because here is Elizabeth, someone that she admires, someone that she loves, and Elizabeth is in a similar situation. She, too, has a miracle baby within her. And so I think Mary and Elizabeth had, had a lot of commonality that really bonded them during this time. Now, the Bible says that God filled John the Baptist with the Holy Spirit, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit inside his mother's womb. And so when Mary comes into the house, the baby filled with the Holy Spirit, it's really the Holy Spirit working within the baby, leaps for joy in excitement that the Son of God has entered the house. I have uh, two sons. My, my three-year-old, his name is Bennett. He's at one of those really cute stages in life. And so whenever you tell him something that excites him, he leaps for joy. So he told him, hey, uh, Bennett, this week is VBS week at the church. And what he does is he puts his arm up and goes, 
away! And he gets so excited. Uh, and then he asked us, where's my costume? Because he, he's confusing VBS and the Star Wars theme with Halloween. And so he wants to dress up as Yoda. So if any of you all have a Yoda costume that works for a three-year-old, my son will be your best friend forever. But it's so exciting to just see him leap for joy because of something good happening. Well, before the day of Pentecost, which takes place in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit would fill people, but he would come on them and leave them. And so when God was about to do something big, the Holy Spirit, the scriptures say, would fill somebody. They would be filled with the Holy Spirit. After God did his greatest work in sending Jesus to die for our sins, to overcome death, and to bring salvation to all those who believe, the Holy Spirit came and filled the believers as a sign that the Messiah had come, that God's word had been fulfilled. So John the Baptist, at a time when many say he's nothing more than just a fetus, was filled by the Holy Spirit. And God had a divine plan for him. And God was already using him to announce the coming of the king. Well, in verse 42, the Bible says, Then she, we're talking about Elizabeth here, exclaimed with a loud cry. In the Scriptures, whenever you see someone exclaiming in the Lord with a loud cry, it's almost a prophetic utterance. And so uh, Elizabeth uh, proclaims, You are the most blessed of women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. So we have two ladies here. One is old, one is young, one is married, one is about to be married. Both of them misunderstood, and both of them were chosen by God to play a role within His divine plan. And so within the words here, you can sense the joy that they're experiencing. There's this real deep godly joy and and happiness in this exchange. Elizabeth was joyful because her husband couldn't talk. I mean, that makes every wife uh, joyful, doesn't it? But, but beyond that, she was joyful because the Son of God was in her house. And Mary was joyful because she had been chosen by God to do this. There's deep godly joy in the story. Now this week, as, as we've already talked about beforehand, is, is VBS week. We're going to have almost 200, or probably over 200 kids come through these doors. We have over 100 volunteers that are going to be on campus every night this week. It's going to be a hot week. They're forecasting temperatures in the 90s. For many people, it's going to be a very long week because you're going to get up, you're going to go to work, and after you've worked all day, then you're going to come to the church, and then you're going to give of yourself to children. And you know, uh, kids bring with them A lot of chaos. It's kind of like a party in a hurricane, you know? And there's going to be opportunity this week for whining. I don't like this. I can't believe he did that. Tiny cut off my arm with a lightsaber. That's not fair. Whine, whine, whine. There's a lot of opportunity for that at VBS week. There's also a lot of opportunity for joy to walk onto this campus and realize 
God's at work. To realize that you have an opportunity to give of yourself, to invest in the lives of children. To understand that so many kids these days don't have any stability in their life. And you have the opportunity to bring them a message of salvation. You have an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And church, I am praying that this week that we get to see children be saved by our God. That we get to see the lives and the eternity of children forever changed. And that joy builds within our church family. I pray that this week as the church gathers for VBS that there will just be a tremendous amount of joy on this campus. I am very, very thankful for the joy that our church shares. There's always going to be a problem. Whenever you get people together, there's always going to be problems. There's no perfect churches. If you meet somebody around here who's got it all together, they must be visiting. (laughs) Because those of us that are Murphy Roaders, we understand we're all sinners saved by grace. None of us are perfect. We're all works in progress. But we have a joy that is evident here because we have Christ together. And I, I love those moments. Uh, this week I, I saw the decorating team as they were setting the table for VBS and, and I watched them laughing and I, I love those moments whenever the joy is there. I, I love the moments like we had a few weeks ago at the Texas barbecue and the country music was going and barbecue was being served up and I looked out over the campus and people were just laughing and having a good time. Folks were flying off the mechanical bull. It was wonderful. The joy of the Lord was there. And in this story, you see the joy and the happiness that is found in something that goes beyond us. It's a peace, it's a calm, it's a purpose, it's a happiness that comes from our Heavenly Father. In verse 45, the Bible says, She who has believed is blessed because what was spoken to her by the Lord will be fulfilled. Now, I want you to notice here two huge God thoughts. Number one, the Lord had spoken to her. And number two, the Lord will be fulfilled. Now, how does God speak to us? Let's review a little bit. If you weren't here last week, this is new to you. If you were here, let's catch up a little bit. In biblical times, you you see God speaking often in miraculous ways. God would speak through angels. Uh, God spoke to Moses through a burning bush. Uh, God spoke to Balaam through his donkey. Uh, You see God speaking to Daniel in dreams. God spoke through the miracles of Jesus, and God was speaking to his people in miraculous fashion. You say, uh, does God still speak this way? Absolutely, God can still speak this way. He's God. I'm not going to be the one that tells God what he can do and what he cannot do. But I will say this, if God speaks in a miraculous fashion, he's not going to contradict what he has also spoken to us in his word. Okay? And number two, I would say that if you believe that you are hearing the voice of God in a supernatural, miraculous way, make sure that it is really God that you're hearing. Okay? Make sure it's not the TV in the next room or that you've overdosed on NyQuil and you're hallucinating or something like that. Make sure it's really God that you're listening to. Now, I think the primary way that God speaks to us is through His Word. We believe the Bible to be the inspired Word of God. And so whenever you read the Bible, you are reading the words of God. And as you read the Bible, God speaks to us. He reveals to us His purposes and His ways. God also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. 
I think many of us can testify that we've had times when we were praying and the still, small voice of God spoke to our heart. And we heard the voice of God within ourselves. Sometimes God speaks to us through circumstances. I remember whenever I graduated seminary, I felt like the Lord was leading me to be a lead pastor and to pastor a church. And so started looking for an opportunity to pastor. There was a church in Austin that wanted me to come and be their lead pastor. And I was praying to the Lord. I said, Lord, is this church here in Austin your will? He said back to me, uh, uh, do you believe that it's my will for you to be a pastor? I said, yes, Lord. He said, how many churches want you to be their pastor? I said, one, Lord. He said, well, you might want to go there. Circumstances can be the fingers of the Lord as the Lord opens doors and closes doors. And in the New Testament, we see God speaking through the church as the church would call out the called. And they would see that God uh, was wanting to do something and they would call out from amongst them people to go and be a part of the Lord's will. So God speaks to us, but the second part of this is the Lord will be fulfilled. God is a God of his word. In verse 46, our story changes a bit. It kind of turns into a musical. I can almost picture a scene from the sound of music. The hills are alive as Mary breaks out into song. This next section of scripture is called Mary's Song. It's sometimes referred to as the Magnificat. It, it sings of how the Lord's will is fulfilled. And it can be broken down into three stanzas. The first in the first stanza, Mary looks at how God's has fulfilled his word in her. Look at verse 46. And Mary said, "My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave." And surely from now on, all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me and his name is holy. Now notice in verse 47, she rejoices in my God, my Savior. Mary, too, needed a Savior. Sometimes people think that Mary was perfect. Mary, too, had turned her own ways and done some things that were wrong. She needed a Savior. In verse 48, she rejoices because God chose her to be a part of His divine plan. And then in verse 49, she rejoices because God had done great things for her. God was working in her and through her. And so this leads her to praise the Lord. We all can sing that stanza. We all can rejoice that God has sent His Son because we need a Savior. We can all rejoice because there is some part of God's divine plan that He has custom-made you to play that role within. You are a custom-made creation of God. He has knit you together with gifts and experiences, and there is a role within His plan that He desires you to play. And we can all rejoice as we look around and we see the blessings that God has brought into our lives. You say, oh, Lash, there's so much trouble in my life. If you'll look closely, you'll see that along with that trouble, there's a tremendous amount of blessing. God has blessed you. In the second stanza, Mary looks at how God's will, uh, how, how God will fulfill His will 
to those who are hurting. In verse 50, she says, His mercy is from generation to generation to those who fear Him. He has done a mighty deed with His arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. Now let me ask you this question. Are you hurting today? If you look at your life right now, is there an area of your life where you're hurting? Are you hungry today? Maybe not physically hungry, but spiritually hungry. Maybe there's just an area of your life where you just feel starved. In verses 50 and 51, Mary reminds us that God will bring mercy to those who humbly fear Him. God will ultimately cause those that live life in pride to scatter in fear. In verse 52, she reminds us that God is going to bring an extreme makeover to society that one day when Christ comes again, the mighty will topple and the lowly, those that are God's humble servants, they will be exalted. In verse 53, she reminds us that God will fill those who are empty. Those who hunger will be filled by God and the rich those that think that they have everything that they possibly need will be emptied. My mind fast-forwards to a mountainside, sitting in a meadow. You can see the beautiful mountains on the other side. and You can see the valley just past the meadow. And there's Jesus teaching in front of us. He's teaching what is commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. And at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, He gives us the Beatitudes and There he too speaks of those who are hungry. He says, blessed are those who are hunger and thirst for what? Do you remember the words? For righteousness. And then he says, for they will be what? Filled. Jesus taught that there is a godly joy to be found. And that that joy is found in being. Jesus never promised that we would have a trouble-free life. Hey, hey, just follow me and, and your, your life will no longer have troubles. Jesus never promised that, but he did promise you that you could be blessed even in the midst of your troubles. In the world in which we live, uh, there's a lot of things that offer us happiness, and there's a lot of things that make us happy. But the happiness that we get here on earth, it lasts for a season. We're happy when the Rangers win. We're sad whenever they lose. We're happy whenever uh, our children behave. We're upset whenever they make uh, unwise decisions. And so we have this happiness that's always fleeing. But Jesus offers us a joy that lasts for eternity. If the story of your life is about how great you are and all that you've collected, the story of your life is guaranteed to end with And then he died. You never see a U-Haul at a cemetery. I've done a lot of funerals. I've never seen anybody pull up to the grave in a U-Haul. Maybe I ought to write that in my will. That'd be kind of fun. You can't take it with you. But Jesus offers us the joy of being. The joy of being forgiven for the sins of our past. The joy of being a part of God's plan. 
whether it's large or small, you get to play a, a role within the divine plan. The joy of being alive in Christ forever. And so my prayer for you today is that you'll discover that the joy that you are looking for in life is not going to be found in what you do or what you have. That joy is going to be found in whose you are. True joy is found in being alive in Christ. Well, in the concluding stanza, Mary reminds us that God is a God of His Word. She looks back on the history, and in verse 54 she says, He has helped His servant Israel, mindful of His mercy, just as He spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And then the Bible says Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months, and she returned home. If you read the Old Testament, you see these two truths over and over again. God speaks, and when God speaks... His will will be fulfilled. God will fulfill His word in His own time, in His own way. But when God speaks, His will will be fulfilled. You see this with Abraham. You see this with Isaac. You see it with Jacob. You see it with Joseph. You see it with Moses. You see it with Joshua. You see it in the young woman Ruth's life. You see it in the story that we looked at a few weeks ago with Esther. You see it with Nehemiah when Nehemiah leads the people to return to Israel and rebuild the holy city. And then whenever you move into the New Testament, you see it here right at the beginning of Luke with Mary that whenever God speaks, the Lord will be fulfilled. When God speaks to you, He is a God of His Word. My sophomore year of college was an intense time in my life. It was a time of a lot of transition for me. It was also a time where God really grew me a lot. It was one of those, probably, of all my years, it was probably the most transformational year in my life. And there was a time where the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And He said to me, He asked me, will you be a missionary? So in my mind, I immediately thought about going overseas, and that really wasn't part of my plan. I, I had my plan written out, and going overseas and being a missionary wasn't, wasn't part of that. And so I wrestled with it. I talked to some people. I talked to the man who was my youth minister growing up and some other folks and tried to seek their wisdom. And then I remember after about a week of intensely wrestling with this, I knelt beside my bed, and I surrendered to it. I said, Lord, I'm willing to be a missionary. Whatever that looks like, wherever you want me to go, I'm willing. And at that time, it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart again and just said to me, I wanted to see if you were willing and if you would do whatever I asked. So years went by, graduated college, went to seminary, talked about going to Austin earlier, so I went down to Austin. I'd been pastoring there seven years or so, and I get a call. On the other end of the phones, there's a guy named Bobby Fletcher. He's become a good friend of mine. By the way, if you would pray for uh, Bobby's daughter, Lindsay. Uh, she was born with spinal bifida, and uh, they said she wouldn't live 
very long at all. I praise the Lord. She's now in her 20s. Uh, but right now, she's really battling for her life at this point. But Bobby, Bobby's on the other end of the line, and he, he says to me, Hey, Lash, we'd like you to come up and talk to some of us about being a missionary here in Grayson County. And so I say, okay, I'll, I'll come talk to you. And the next thing I know, uh, Stacy and I were, were going to serve as the director of missions for Grayson County. And I was a missionary for two and a half years here in the United States. I would go around to different churches. I would try to help new churches get started. I'd try to strengthen existing churches and encourage pastors. And I never envisioned it being fulfilled that way, but I, I was serving as a missionary. And then one day I get an email from a guy by the name of Gary Castleberry, and he's the, the head of a pastor search team here at Murphy Road Baptist Church. You may have heard of that church. You ever been there? Yeah. And, and so through the providence of God, we wind up here. And you know, one of the things I never realized about Murphy, Texas, is that it is 40% Buddhist, Hindu, or Muslim. You know, whenever I looked at Murphy, Texas on the, on the map, I thought it was like, where the Bible belt buckles, you know? Everybody here goes to church. But yeah, we have people from all over the world that live right among us. And so as we minister in this city, sharing the gospel requires that we go across languages, across culture, across faith. It is a mission field right here where we live. And so I discovered that to be a pastor in this city you have to have a missionary's heart, and you have to have a missionary's eyes. So God spoke to me as a college sophomore. And in his time, in his own way, in ways that I never would have scripted, the Lord was fulfilled. And so I ask you this question today. Is God speaking to you? Where in your life? Are you hearing the voice of God speaking to you? When God speaks to us, He doesn't give us all the details. But what He desires from you and from me is surrender. Surrender to the voice of God. Surrender to what He's saying. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your path. And I promise you this, whenever you are surrendered to God, wherever He leads you, whatever happens, there will be a joy that goes beyond anything that you can experience in life when you're right in the middle of God's plan. Would you be so kind as to stand with me, please, as we bow our heads and we come to a time of commitment? With your head bowed, I, I want to ask you this question. Is God speaking to you today and saying that He wants to save you? Perhaps you walk into these doors and, and you're not yet a Christian, but you want to be and you want to take that step. I would invite you right now just to call out to God and say, God, save my soul. Forgive me of my sins. I place my faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. And I ask you to invade my life and to change me from the inside out. Today is your day that God is calling you to salvation. I'll be here at the front. I want to be a pastor to you. I want to be an encouragement to you. And I would like to ask you to do something. If today you're taking that first step of faith and placing your faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, would you come tell me? I'll be here during this next song. 
I'll be here after the service. I would love to celebrate with you that decision. Others in this room with our heads bowed, God has been speaking to you. He's been showing things. He's been shining His light into areas of your life. Will you surrender to it? Are you going to keep fighting Him? Will you surrender to Him? I want to encourage you right now in the quietness of this moment to mark this time as a moment where you said, Yes, Lord, I'll follow you. Wherever you lead me, I'll follow. God, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for how you've spoken to many of us today. May we have ears to hear. May we have obedient hearts. May we experience the peace that passes all understanding and the deep joy that is found in knowing you and following you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.